Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, quick question. Why did you get out of bed this morning and come here? I mean, you had lots of reasons not to, didn't you? For those people that are tuning in live on through our live stream, maybe you're sitting there and looking out the window and going, you tuned in for a reason or you, you showed up this morning for a reason. I don't know if your reason is even the same as the person sitting beside you, but you got a reason. I know my reason this morning for, for being in a spiritual gym is because I want to order my life in a way that makes sense of my world. I want to live in a way, you know, for me, it's, I want to live in the way of Jesus. That's my thing. And we talk a lot about that around here, a spiritual journey that makes our world better. And so when I show up on a Sunday morning, I listen to the music, I breathe, I relax, I listen in, and I hope to find something that will regulate my system, recalibrate, refocus my world on what really matters. And for me, that is living a particular way. So whatever your reason is this morning, you got one hour one hour here make the most of it I don't know about you but I can get caught in a trance and and half an hour 45 minutes goes by and all of a sudden I'm like whoa what am I doing here again let's not let that happen this morning let's make the most of every moment I want to introduce you to Joe if you haven't met Joe yet him and Amy members of our community Joe has created some beautiful music and so he's going to sing some songs this morning that may or may not be familiar That's all right. I just invite you to sit back and enjoy, reflect, and uh, allow this one hour in the gym to move your soul in some way. Welcome to Friends Church, everybody. And uh, now that Halloween's over, has anyone noticed the change in the window decorations? It's officially like October 31st, Christmas. I get it. But I've been thinking a lot about the Christmas season lately. Anyone go back to Christmas's past? Some of them are beautiful. There are these amazing moments, you know, tinsel, lights, all that stuff. But a couple years ago, I was researching a Christmas service, and I realized the most amount of self-harm that we have as a society happens around Christmas. That? hit me. And then I started to realize, if I look back in my life, me and my wife were having this conversation, we're like, oh, it's Christmas in two months. And we both were like, it's busy time. She's a florist. I work at a church. And you could just see us basically charting this life for the next two months that kind of goes like this. And then hopefully at Christmas, when we both have some time off, we'll be able to reconnect again, right? Because Christmas is the busiest, most stressful, most amount of times where we can do stupid things where, you know, you're, you're going to buy somebody a gift for you know, 50 bucks, but there's one for $80 that just looks a little bit better. And then in January, when you look at your visa statement, you're like, what was I thinking? Why did I buy the $80 one, not the $50 one? And why did I stay up late for that party? And why did I focus all my attention on this thing and not this thing? 
Asma, can you throw up this slide for me? I sent my write-up about this series to one of my buddies. He's like a genius copywriter guy. And I, I had this whole like stick-to-it Christmas because I was going, what if we just did Christmas well? What if we put the meaningful things in our lives first and then did everything else? So I called it in my stupid brain, Merry Stick-to-it Christmas. <laughs> kind of on the nose, but it doesn't really mean anything until he wrote this line, charting a course that avoids the spiritual pitfalls of Christmas. Now, you might be going to spiritual pitfalls in this kind of theological sense. I don't want you to do that. Think of it as a season that can be beautiful and incredible and amazing And it also is a time that pulls us away from our meaningful lives more than almost any time of the year. That's okay. When you realize what's going on, you can stay the course. You can stick to it. But chances are, this is so unconscious for all of us, we won't even know what happened until January unless we get conscious about this. So this next series, it starts, uh, can I up once more, Esmond? I should know the answer to this. It starts in November sometime. November 20th, there we go. <laughs> I work on so many series, they're all at the same time in my head. November 20th. I want to encourage us, because I want a meaningful Christmas. I want to live in alignment with my values. I want to come out in January and not feel like I have to recover all this relationship stuff that I didn't do because I was busy. I don't want my visa to tell me what I value, not what I actually value or what I say is meaningful here. So if you're anything like me, I want to encourage you, carve this out. All this is is a series that helps you go, okay, wait, 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 what's the important stuff now? And how do I stay focused on what matters this Christmas? Or our visa is going to be blown out. We're going to be hungover. We're going to be disconnected. And I don't want that. And I don't think you do either. So November 20th, put it in your calendar. Have this as kind of like your training for Christmas season. Christmas 2022 is going to go smooth. Cool? Okay. I'm going to get Joe to... Oh, sorry, Emily. I apologize. All right. I remembered even if you didn't, so it's all good. Good morning, Friends Church. I'm Emily. I am twisting myself around the mic stand. I'm part of the charitable giving team here. Um, I just want to thank you for coming out. Thank you for being with us. And if you're listening on the podcast or online, we're having a really snowy day here in Calgary. So I'm really glad to see so many faces in person today, um, despite all the white stuff. Um, We are, as Vince said, entering into a really busy season, and you're going to hear us up here asking you to financially contribute to a whole bunch of things in the next little while. Um, We really value the generosity of this community. We cannot do what we do without you, and we want to just encourage you to stay the course. Don't feel pressured, but please use this opportunity to um, exercise generosity and to give where you can. Um, Friends Church only is able to do our work, like I said, because of you. So the regular giving that um, occurs here is something that's super important for us to be able to maintain and stay the course. Um, If you are already doing a pre-authorized giving, um, that is a fantastic way for us to budget, to be good stewards of the resources that you trust us with. Um, And we would love you to 
to consider um, that if you can. If you would rather just give one time um, or sporadically, we're okay with that too. We are not uh, here to try and pressure you into that, but we have lots of different options. We do have a black box at the back of the room here that you can put uh, your donations in. We do also have um, options online or in our app if that is a place that you would rather go. Um, We have a couple things going on, uh, actually one of them going on today and then one next week. We do have discussion group right after the service today in the library. So if you are interested in sitting around the table with some people and digesting um, what has been said here today, we would invite you to join us just just down the hall in the library for discussion group. And next week we are going to start our Christmas hamper giveaway. So this particular program that we've got going for Christmas, we are going to be working with uh, an organization that supports local Calgary families and we're going to be putting together hampers for them um, to be able to enjoy um, just a little bit of extra this Christmas, to be able to enjoy some of the um, the overflow that uh, all of us uh, have available to give. Um, Christmas tends to be a time when when you are without, when it becomes very, very apparent. And so we want to make sure that um, these families can feel that love and feel the generosity that uh, we have available for them. So there will be some trees set up in the lobby next week. There will be tags on them with um, descriptions of names and families all kinds of details that you'll be getting from us for that. There is also an online option as well. If you uh, wanted to participate but aren't here to choose a family, you can do that online. So now we're going to turn it back over to Joe. Thank you. Well, we just got, um, I was on holidays for a couple of weeks. My wife and I got to go to southern Italy. That was pretty cool, huh? Flew in, amazing food. Can I just say it again? amazing food like amazing food (laughs) we walked I think we averaged what was it 18,000 steps a day just an incredible trip new things new sights new Airbnbs new bathrooms the Italian people seem to be a small people (laughs) the showers there was times, like, I'm closing the doors and it's like, uh, you can't actually lift your hands above your head to wash off because the shower is so small, you have to contort your body to, like, somehow cave your way into moving your arms. I love my shower here at home. You know the one I'm still working on three years later? I designed it so big that I could hardly touch the walls when I'm standing like this or the ceiling. And, and now I understand why. Because when I go someplace new, I realize how much I love home. I love my roads where people drive in the lanes that they're supposed to drive in. Not wherever the heck they want. I especially love that my body knows what time of the day it is here. Because when I fly there... I fall asleep at like 10 o'clock at night, and then about 2 o'clock in the morning, when it's morning time here, I wake up. And I spend the next two or three hours laying in a strange bed, reading a book, because I can't sleep. Two weeks. Then I come home, just as I'm finally starting to get some sleep, I get home, and now my brain's the other way. My body's just figured out that one, and so now, same thing. I fall asleep, wake up at 2 in the morning, a buddy of mine just came back from Australia, he knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
so I've got about a month of not sleeping much. How are y'all when you don't sleep very much? Because I'm a bit of an a-hole, to be honest. Everything in my life feels like it's more. Someone cuts me off and I'm just like losing my mind. I can even feel there's this kind of like base level of emotions right now underneath my you know, regular body that I can feel. And it's nothing other than tiredness. This whole week, last two weeks, every time my wife says something with a tone that is just a little bit different than I prefer, what do you think I'm doing? What do you mean by that? Why did you say it that way? You know? Touchy. Cranky. Annoying. How are you all when you don't have sleep? I was talking to a mother at the community lunch last week. What a great lunch. I don't think Rob's here today, but man, that guy can cook. He's in charge of the whole thing. He had these like uh, Korean tacos, I think it was. So good. I was sitting with a family and the mother, she's got two uh, kids about like this big, this big, and this big. So I don't know, like, how old is that? (laughs) There we go. Two, four, six, give or take five years, we'll say. So the little kids, she's like, for the last 10 years, I haven't slept more than about five hours a night. The other night I went to bed early. And I slept for seven hours. She was like, it was amazing, Vince. You would not believe what happened. My kids were upset the next morning, and I could handle it. I didn't yell at them. This whole series has been based on this idea of the spiritual practice of living a meaningful life. Part of what's meaningful to me is my relationship with my wife. It's really important to me. It's something that I want to go well. I want to be a good husband. I want her to be a good wife. And yet, when I'm jet-lagged and I'm tired, what do you think that part of my meaningful life looks like? There's this idea that says our spiritual lives are separate from our physical lives. I grew up in a church that said, your spiritual life is what you think. It's the statements that you believe are true. And your physical life is all the bad stuff. Dancing, drinking, sex, all that stuff. And so it was disconnected. And the the idea was the whole goal of the spiritual journey is to disconnect from that. And so when we look at a meaningful life, what happens when you look through that lens, you're like, the meaningful life is something that I do in my head. It's not how my body is. And yet, when we don't sleep very much, what happens? Do you sit in front of the TV and eat bonbons instead of going up for the workout that you think is important to you? Do you do the things that maintain a healthy life? Or do you find yourself falling into bad habits, not being able to regulate yourself? And so if we're trying to live this meaningful life, if we look around and say, no, no, I want to be a healthy human being. I want to live in a healthy way. If that's what meaningful life looks like, then my thesis today is this. How we treat our physical lives matter. Which is funny. I did a, (laughs) I came up with this series like a long time ago. And then the other day, I get home from Italy, and I look up, like, oh, I'm preaching on the physical life. Oh, that's great. I should look up what physical means in the dictionary. Can you throw it up for me, Esmond? Physical, definition, relating to the body as opposed to the mind. 
Okay, that makes sense. Put the next one up for me. Involving bodily contact or activity. Okay, that makes sense. But here's what it does. Whenever you look at a dictionary, there's often antonyms, which means the opposite of. So today we're at the spiritual gym, right? We're here to do spiritual work, right? What's the opposite of physical? What's the antonyms? Clerical, intellectual, spiritual. So by definition today, I'm going to talk about your physical life, which the dictionary says has nothing to do with your spiritual life. Y'all can go home now. And yet, when we don't sleep well, when we don't take care of ourselves, how are we in this world? Are we at our best? To me, that says that something about this definition is wrong. That leaving our spiritual bodies as separate from our, our physical bodies, there's something wrong there. I first learned this profoundly. I was at a men's retreat in California, run by a guy named John Wineland. Incredible, incredible human being. So, it's a men's work. It's a men's retreat. And so he has us sitting in a room, and I'm not going to sit down because the stream team will kill me, but we're sitting cross-legged with our hands on our knees, right? Like this, eyes closed, breathing. I don't know about you, but does anyone have a mind that doesn't really stop? Like, there's lots going on there. I was sitting with my counselor one time. She's like, hey, Vince, does your mind ever turn off? And I'm like, well... I don't know, it's probably pretty normal. She's like, is it ever quiet up there? And I'm like, well, of course not. No one's mind is quiet. Seriously, lady, what do you know? She's like, well, what are you thinking about? And I was like, well, when you walked in, I saw in the back of your hair, you have an extension glued in. And I was thinking, I wonder what kind of glue they use for extensions. And where do they get the extensions from? And how does one actually comb one's hair with an extension in it? And is that natural hair or synthetic hair? And then once they cut the she's like, you could just stop now. It's not that my brain spins, although we all have those moments, right? Something bad happened to us, and our mind spins over and over again. So I'm sitting in this men's retreat, in Lotus, like this, breathing, has this breathing deeply. And all of a sudden, my brain realized that my brain, and yes, I know this is a weird statement, my brain realized that my brain was quiet. I thought I was having a heart attack. The only reason my brain would be quiet is if something major is going wrong. So I should probably call 911 because this is not normal. But then that part of my brain calmed down. (laughs) Shut up. And I had the same feeling. You hear the quietness of this room right now? Can you see how your, your awareness expands beyond the inner chatter? Suddenly I had a connection to something more than just what kind of glue do you use to glue extensions into someone's hair? Why did that person say that? Why did I do that thing? You know all the things that go through your head? What if they find out what's really going on? All that stuff goes away and suddenly there's a connection to something more. My physical behavior created a spiritual moment. I think the dictionary is wrong. Unfortunately, Oxford didn't call me when they put that together. They should have. 
But I want to encourage you guys to do something with me today. If you're willing, you don't have to. I want us to learn how to impact our spiritual lives with our physical lives. I could teach you a million different ways. I'm going to do the same way that John Wineland taught me. So here's what I'd like you to do. Sit kind of flat on your bum. Put your feet flat on the floor. All you have phones. Stick your phone underneath your butt so you're not playing with it. Coffee's down. I'd like you to just sit for a moment and just feel the weight of your body in the chair. And we're going to start breathing. And teach you all a bit how to breathe. I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again because... I don't know about you, but I always forget to do the things I know work. I want you to take a deep breath into your belly. All those years of holding your belly in so that it looks more attractive, ignore all that. Big pregnant bellies. Push your belly really far out. If it helps, I want you to put your hand somewhere between below your belly button And when you breathe in, breathe and push your hand out. That low. Maybe close your eyes. Just settle into that breath. Can you feel that tension from the day or the week that's been busy? Just as you exhale, just let that go. Relax your body. Relax your breath. Feel the calm that comes. I want to encourage you just to keep breathing. Chances are some of you are feeling calm. Some of you are feeling agitated. We spend a lot of time disconnected from our bodies. And there's stuff, I mean, air quote, that's stored in our bodies that doesn't feel comfortable. And when we breathe, we feel emotions come up, we feel agitation, we feel anxiety. That's okay. That's just stuff you get to work on with your counselor. What do you feel as you breathe? Do you feel the calm of the room? What's going on inside of you? Now I just want to continue breathing. Nice deep into your belly. I'm going to talk a little bit while you breathe. Just try and hold on to the breath. When I started to realize I'm going to do a message on the physicality and how it impacts our spirituality, first thing that happened is I snapped back to a church we were at in Italy. Small little church. Me and my wife are in there taking pictures because, you know, it's gorgeous. And there's a couple He's got a Metallica t-shirt. She has a Rolling Stones t-shirt on. His is covered in skulls and, you know, whatever, skeletons. Hers has got that big smile with the tongue out. And just as they're about to leave the church, this, this Catholic cathedral, they both stop and they turn and they look at the altar. Does anyone have any Catholic in their past? What do you think they did when they turned and looked at the altar? They crossed themselves. I thought, well, the physicality of spirituality. 
And then I looked around and I realized, oh, there's kneeling benches and there's rosaries. And they put the, the rosary in their finger and every time they pray, they slide one of the beads across their fingers. And I realized, oh, wait, just my tradition separated spirituality and physicality. The whole of the Christian tradition isn't that way. So I started looking back at the stories of our ancestors. Our first story, it's called a creation myth or an etiology. If you want to get really geeky, it's a certain kind of genre. It says, in the beginning, this isn't meant to be realistic. This isn't meant to be creation story. This is meant to talk about something different. It said, in the beginning, there is spirit. And the spirit of the creator was floating above the spirit, but there was nothing physical. And then the creator said, let the spirit start to manifest physically. And we started to get light and ground and water and birds and fish and humans. And I realized at the heart of our tradition is a connection between our spiritual lives and our physical lives. They're not separate. And if that's true, if our spiritual ancestors have a truth, the work you're doing right now in breathing deep into your stomachs and calming your bodies, you're not just doing physical work then, right? You're doing spiritual work. How do you feel right now? More calm? More grounded? More centered? For those of you who had kids, what if your kid came to you right now with that stupid problem that they always come to you and that really annoys you? How would you handle it? Those of you who have partnered, if your partner did that thing that always drives you nuts and you just went through this process, what if you got up five minutes early every morning and you spent that time breathing like we just did and then you showed up at work and your colleague who always does that thing that the colleague does, how do you think you'd handle it? Our spiritual and our physical seem infinitely connected. Okay. That was all like kindergarten work. You guys all figured out the first step of how to calm yourself. So I'd encourage you, breathe deep into your stomachs. Calm yourself down. Now here's the thing that John Wineland had us do. He said, as you breathe, and I want you to continue breathing, I want you to feel the breath of the person next to you. Or if you're at the back, the person in front of you. Can you do it? Did you just forget to breathe again? As you breathe, become aware of the person next to you and see if you can feel their breath. What do you feel? I can see some of your faces. It's like, well, that was weird. Never had anyone ask me to do that before. Keep breathing and feel the breath of the person next to you. Part of our tradition, there's a guy named, a book by an author named James. One of my favorite books. And he has this beautiful quote in it. Normally I paraphrase things because the Bible is written in weird languages. Translations were awkward. But today I want to actually quote exactly the translation. Esmond, can you throw it for me? 
He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, if your spiritual life, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister with no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't give the person any food. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. The spiritual journey, according to James, isn't just in me. It's in how I treat the person next to me. Now you understand why I asked you to feel the breath of the person next to you. Can you tell what's going on with them? Are they tense? Are they relaxed? Do they need something? Can you throw up the spiritual journey model for me, Esmond? When I first had you breathe, this, remember we talked about our spiritual journey? This is the model we're using. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's just a model we're using right now. Our spiritual journey starts with awareness. Keep throwing it up there for me, Esmond. It starts with awareness. And then we learn, who am I? Part of that breath work that I had you do to calm yourself, that's the connection to I. What calms me down? What helps me regulate? What makes me feel good? But then there's this other side that's the them. That's what I had you do. Feel the person next to you. Feels a little awkward, doesn't it? Especially if that person isn't someone new you know. And here's what we learn about our spiritual journey. Just leave it up for me, Esmond. Here's what we learn about our spiritual journey. Some of us can hold that in balance. Others of us kind of go to one side or the other. If I'm honest, I'm good with the eye. Really good with the eye. I know what calms me. I know what makes me feel good. Jeff talked about it last week, right? He says when he gets to be out in his um, yard making it look beautiful, that calms him. It's funny, on his birthday, there was a snowfall. I said, so, how's that snow treating you? Pretty calming? He's like, actually, no, Vince. Uh, only grass is the calming thing. The snow is not the calming thing. Picky, jeez. Who am I? Now, the other of us, some of us, are focused on the them. You know how you know this? If you walk into a room with someone and they're not feeling well, and you can feel it, you have a spidey sense around them. Now, part of the work we do here is to try and figure out how do we hold those in balance. So as you feel, who am I, and you're breathing deep, can you also hold awareness of them? Or as soon as you feel them, do you fall apart and you just lose connection to yourself? This will tell you a lot of the where you need to work in your spiritual journey. Because before we can find a we, we need to be able to hold both I, who am I, in isolation of everyone else, in the presence of them, and also be able to hold on to them. I've always been good with the I, never been good with the them. I have to work at it. Could you feel when the breathing exercise, which do you find easier, connecting to self 
or the people around you? Could it be that your physicality impacts your spirituality? Okay, thanks, Esmond. The last thing I want to do, and again, I've put you through a lot of weird stuff today. I apologize, and I don't apologize at the same time. Who's the girl who sings Sorry, I'm Not Sorry? What's that line? Yeah, it's that one. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a deep breath again. Close your eyes. Deep in your stomach. Push that belly really far out. Breathe as deep as you can. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to start timing your breath so me and you are breathing together at the same time. Breathe in. Breathe out. beforehand but there was no spark until they got into a tandem rowing canoe and they started rowing together and in rowing you have to row one beat otherwise bad things happen oars hit other oars they started rowing together their breath started to align their body started to align My aunt said, in the synchronization of our bodies, I fell in love with my wife. You see, there's something fascinating us about us humans. We are connected to ourselves and we're also connected to others. And we can use that as understanding. But when we synchronize with it, something incredible happens. I think something spiritual. I and them become we. But it's in the synchronization. Try this sometime. Next time you're walking down the street with some stranger in front of you, walk in time with them. It's going to be a little weird. But feel what it feels like to become in sync with another human being. Next time your kid comes to you all dysregulated, breathe with them at the same pace they are. See what happens. Try dancing. Next time you're, you know, cooking. I mean, we're cooking the other day. Never happens. Strange. Turn up the music. Feel your booty start to shake a little bit. Look over your person next to you and be like, how are you doing? Suddenly the dance party breaks out, right? You're in sync with a human. Bless you. When you're feeling disconnected, try and line up with someone who's important to you. Do something in sync. Walk in sync with them. Breathe in sync with them. Sing in sync with them. That's what Joe was doing. Now, unfortunately, we didn't have the lyrics from today. But when we sing together, something physical happens and something spiritual happens. There's a feeling of we're connected. Bless you.
The dictionary says the opposite of physical is spiritual and that they're not connected. And yet it seems that the things that we do in our physical bodies manifest in all aspects of our lives. In being the people we want to be, in connecting with the people around us. And so my question today is this. What physical practices help you connect to that sense of more, that sense of a meaningful life? Is it getting enough sleep? Because yes, for me, if I don't get enough sleep, I can't do this work. I'm so focused on the eye. I'm so focused on, you know, I'm bagged and I feel like crap. You also know that there's things that you can do physically that help you be aware of the people around you, right? And then you can synchronize with them. Try this. If you're a person who's partnered, next date night, sit face to face with each other, look in each other's eyes, and breathe in sync with the person. I like how your eyes are looking at me going, yeah, I don't think so, Clausen. That's weird. Why is it weird? Because it will feel like something. It will feel connecting in a way that's beyond just physical. Try it. What's the worst that can happen? Actually, there's a lot of bad things that can happen, but let's just say there isn't. (laughs) What if you started to exercise more often so that your body felt healthy, you felt connected to yourself, and then you tried to live out this idea of a meaningful life? doing things, engaging in things, whatever feels meaningful to you. Again, for me, it's relational, so that's why I keep coming back to that. What if it is something where you get out physically and go for a walk, not even a big walk, but just a walk? I noticed after walking 18,000 steps through Europe, there's something in walking that feels different than sitting in my truck. What if you added walking into your life? What if it's food? Next time you eat something, instead of just gobbling it down because you need to eat something, what if you take a moment and taste it? Ooh, that tastes pretty good. I said it before, I'll say it again. What if the next time you cook, you throw in some music and you have a little dance party and you feel what it feels like to move your booty instead of just standing straight? What does that feel like? Finally, Because the church has so traditionally said there's the spiritual realm and there's the physical realm and they're disconnected, there's a specific part of the spiritual or physical realm that's particularly looked down upon from the tradition. It's our sexual lives. We have an entire book dedicated to sexuality in the Bible. Not once does it use the word God or Jesus or salvation or anything. All it is is explicit sexuality. Part of our work is sexual. And our sexuality impacts our spirituality and vice versa. Let your brain go around that, wrap around that for a few minutes. This whole series has been based on this idea. Can you throw up the series image for me, Esmond? It was a record player. I was sitting in a coffee shop watching this, this record player. You could just go in and like order your coffee and then grab a record and put on your record. So cool. And I realized, uh, sorry, wrong image. <laughs> There's one about a record player. So I told Esmond to put up the wrong image, my bad. There's one about a record player. And it, it kept going around and around in a circle. And I realized, oh, wait, what if our lives look like that? What if there's a moment in our lives where we go, wait, 
this physical part of my life, if I sleep well, if I eat well, if I exercise, if I, if I get around people, if I go into nature, what if I put that on the record player of my life and it just keeps coming around over and over again? Every day, week, month. What would my life look like if I engaged in those physical activities that helped me live out a spiritual life or a meaningful life? What would you put on your record? For me, sleep, for sure. I need to be in the mountains regularly. That's on a weekly. I need to be able to lift weights. I need to be able to go for runs. But it needs to be in beautiful spaces. I can't just run on a treadmill. I need to be in nature. I need days where the, rain, or the snow is coming down and the wind's blowing and I'm outside and I just feel like the physicality of nature. I need that. What works for you? There's a couple over there. They, I, whenever I drive through my neighborhood, I see them walking. You guys probably walked 18,000 steps in Calgary. Something that they do regularly. See some people who work out. People who ski tour. What is it that works for you that if you put in your life on repeat, it would connect like that breath work does? It would help you ground. It would help you connect to the people around you. It would help to synchronize you. That's the challenge for today. It's to put those things on repeat. First, you've got to find them. Breath works pretty good. Get up five minutes early, breathe. Put it on repeat. And then ask yourself, what would my life look like if I lived that way? If I felt that grounded, that connected? Would that help me be or feel like I'm living a meaningful life? Because we can literally just ignore all this, blink our eyes, we'll all be 80, looking back at a life that we go, wow, that was just a waste of a life. Or we can be intentional. Look through our lives and go, wait, no, I want to live things a bit different here. I want to live a life that matters. That's our prayer for you. That's, our, that's my prayer for me. May we go out today, put on repeat those physical things that impact our spirituality. And may that help us live lives that matter. Amen? Have a great physical week, folks. Send me an email if you've got something good that works for you, okay? Thanks, everyone.